Welcome into the Maroon Mike Podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Lounge Dog. That's right. We have Lounge back on the show. It's been a couple weeks now, obviously, since he last had a game to recap. But, boy, do we have a game to recap this week after Mississippi State survives a ridiculous game against the Auburn Tigers. We'll obviously break all of that down in just a few minutes. Uh, also, as we record, Mississippi State just uh, tipped off the Chris Jans era in men's basketball, getting a season-opening win over Texas a and Corpus Christi. At the end of the show, I will have a recap of that game for you guys. Uh, kind of a fun game to watch, although you, you can see some sloppiness. You can see where the team's going to have to improve, but you can also see the newfound energy in this program that uh, I think fans are going to really enjoy watching. But obviously, that'll be at the end of the show. Real quick, before we do anything, I do want to shout out one of the smaller sports on campus. Shout out to the soccer team. Uh, going to the tournament for just the second time in program history. It's the first time under Coach James Armstrong. Um, made it to the quarterfinals of the SEC tournament, and they're going to be hosting a tournament game on campus on Friday against New Mexico State against 3 p.m. Go out and support that program. Um, it, it's it's really cool that you can see that we have a lot of these smaller uh, programs on campus that are having a lot of success. I mean, I know what we say what we will about the last couple of ADs, but if there's one thing they did well, it's that they did do a good job of some of the hires in those sports to have a more complete athletic program. Of course, it's the hires in the bigger sports that have people most frustrated. But really good year for the soccer soccer team, and they have a postseason game on campus in the NCAA tournament, for, again, just for the second time in program history. So you can get out and support that team. 3 p.m. Central time on Friday. Uh, Friday, yeah, Friday, November 11th. Definitely should. All right, so Lounge, you haven't been on in a while, so uh, I guess we'll just start. Uh, how you doing? Well... Better that we pulled whatever that was Saturday night out. That was that game epitomized a Mike Leach game if I've ever seen one. Like that kind of remind me, except it ended better when he was at Washington State a couple of years ago when they played UCLA. They were up like thirty points, and then let UCLA come back and win. I, I tweeted it out after the game. Like, people always make the joke, when Mike Leach is your coach, no lead is ever safe. And that doesn't matter if it's the other team or if your team. And we saw State last year have a couple big comebacks, including against these Auburn Tigers coming back from down. The curse score 28-3 to over on the plains at Turner Stadium. I was very worried Mississippi State was about to return the favor this year. And they came dangerously close to against the Auburn Tigers, up 24-6. Auburn storms back. I say Storm's back. It was kind of a slow burn. Just they still weren't doing much of anything, but State's offense just exploded. And yeah, Auburn's it was a- more of us giving them every single opportunity. For like, sure. For I'm sure. I'm looking at that. Like their average starting field position was their own 46. Yeah, it, it was not a good day uh, for the MSU offense for much of the game. And Auburn ends up taking a 25. To 24 lead. Honestly, the Tigers squandered a few opportunities of their own where they could have added some other points in other situations and didn't do it. That came back to bite them in the end. State finally gets a drive together after Auburn goes up by a point to go down to get a touchdown to retake the lead. Auburn proceeds to go right back down the field, but a penalty on the kickoff, face mask penalty, gives State the ball at midfield, and uh, the Bulldogs are able to get into field goal range. Massimo Biscardi overcomes multiple uh, attempts at icing him from Cadillac Williams. Uh, makes every kick that he that he had in that in that 
situation. Uh, like I think he drills three in a row amidst a couple back-to-back timeouts to end up tying the game for the Bulldogs. And then maybe the craziest sequence ever. State gets the ball back off a squib kick that hits a fat guy uh, and bounces off. MSU recovers it. People were talking about, did State just pull off an onside kick there? Is that the most Mike Leach thing ever? Which I'm pretty sure there's a quote from Mike Leach, literally kicking at a fat guy, talking about like trying to recover an onside kick. I think that's a quote from Leach in the past. Turns out it was not intentional. They were just trying to squib it, and it just ended up hitting the guy. State recovers and then looks like they're going to be in position to kick a game-winning field goal uh, before a little miscue there with a, a – it, it was a false start, but it was like an, it was an illegal snap from LaQuinston Sharp. Essentially, yeah, he, tra- he tried to re-snap it. <laughs> he tried to – like he went to snap it and didn't snap – like he went to snap and it didn't go, and then he tried to snap with two hands, which was kind of a hilarious visual. Uh but move state out of field goal range. They missed what would have been a game-winning field goal. Game goes to overtime. First time MSU and Auburn have ever played an overtime game, and this was state's first overtime game, I believe, since 2013 Egg Bowl, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, it's been quite a few years since state has played one. Luckily for state, their defense gets another stop, which we'll talk a lot about the defense. They were fantastic in this game, despite you know you, you might see the final score and think it wasn't, but the score does not indi- indicate of how the defense played. Um, Auburn misses a field goal there. State gets the ball. Very, very uh, fortunate penalty on a pass interference call. that was not pass interference. Give State first a goal at the five, and Jaquavius Marks punches it in for a touchdown. Bulldogs survive 39-33 over the Auburn Tigers to move to six and three in the season. They are bowl eligible for the 13th straight year. Uh, that is tops in the SEC behind only Alabama and Georgia. Uh, technically, Texas A&M, I know, has been up there, but the Aggies are not going bowling this year, so you're going to be in a very uh, prestigious company when it comes to the bowl streak. I know bowl games have maybe become a little bit cheapened over the years, but I do think it still matters that you get bowl eligible. And this was a massive win that you had to have because, frankly, it it saved the season and might have saved some coaching careers. We'll see. Two busy tournaments, particularly that last weekend. We'll see. Oh, yeah, no, there's a lot to talk about, and we are going to discuss some big-picture stuff in this show. But despite the craziness and some of the frustrations from this game, again, MSU finds a way to get the win. They are once again right on track with where most of us had them predicted in the preseason. And, look, what happens against Georgia happens. The dogs look like a juggernaut once again. Um, The other dogs, I should clarify. Um Bully is much better than Uga, as Lounge pointed out on Twitter. Um, but, look, that, that game sort of is what it is. Then you have East Tennessee State. It's going to really come down to the Egg Bowl. And that Egg Bowl is going to be monumental both for this season and for like, how this program is viewed over the next several years. Um, and we'll touch on some of that later in the show. But I, I, I know you already gave some, but Lounge, just general thoughts coming away from this game. This defense deserves better than what that offense gave them Saturday night. I've heard some folks say Arnett deserves whatever Leach is getting paid because they literally saved saved Leach that that game. Now, whether it's percentage of Leach or what. 
whether the blame falls on the leash or whether the blame falls on the players or really it falls on both. It's just when we go in these lulls, it isn't one or two drive. It goes it can go for a quarter about two quarters, maybe a whole quarter. And and it just looks ugly. And I like they couldn't get a first down to save their lives. I, so I have it in front of me. Uh, you brought that up. So MSU gets up 17 nothing pretty quickly um, and actually got the ball back uh, with a chance to, uh, you know, go make it worse. They have a f- Will Rogers has a fumble deep in his own territory. Auburn, uh, decent defense forced a, a quick uh, field goal attempt. They held their own despite essentially being Auburn giving the ball in like at the MSU 19, I think. Um Cougar Griffin returns the opening, returns the kickoff back after that for a touchdown for State to go up 24-3. But from the point, State was up 17-0. Um, let me find this on here. Okay, so from 14-11 in the second quarter to 6-36 left in the fourth quarter, MSU produced just 64 yards of offense and had five first downs over that entire stretch. Um, so the beginning of the second quarter to – about a third of the fourth quarter left. Uh, they got pretty much nothing offensive. Um, and you're absolutely right talking about the defense. They played their tails off all throughout the night. And if you, if you want to come away with anything positive beyond just, hey, they won the game, they found a way to win, defense was awesome. Um, really did all you could ask from them despite some of the situations they were put in. Hold Auburn just 14 first downs in the night, 6 of 18 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down. 331 total yards for the Tigers, just 75 passing, uh, which that's not how that team is built. They don't have receivers. Their quarterback, valiant effort from Robbie Ashford, but he is not a passer. Now, you do see 256 yards rushing from the Tigers at over 5.6 per attempt, but that was all Auburn could do offensively, and a lot of that didn't come until the second half when the defense just started getting worn out because of how bad a situation the offense was putting them in. Um Auburn had four – you mentioned starting field position. Auburn had four drives that started in MSU territory, and they managed 17 points off of those. Um, it was like three of them in the red zone, our red zone. Yeah, and I believe in one of those situations, Auburn went for a fourth down, which they didn't convert. Defense did all you could ask of them, and they are the only reason MSU uh, was still managed to find a way to win this game. Um, getting Jaden Crumley back was huge for the defensive line. He made his impact. Uh, known immediately. Um, they were able to get pressure on Robbie Ashford throughout the night, despite the fact that he's a quarterback who can run around. And he did get MSU with his legs quite a few times. But even that's, for a running. I was going to say, that's that's been our Achilles heel all year, the mobile quarterback. For sure. But the, the one thing I will say for him, though, is like they at least got him to the ground. Four sacks for the MSU defense, which sometimes against these running quarterbacks, State has not even been able to get him to the ground. Um and look, those quarterback trambles are still a concern. Ashford had a couple touchdown runs, uh, I believe on third downs specifically because he was just able to take off and run and State just didn't have the guys there. But, I mean, you got pressure. You 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 went in with the right game plan of we are going to get after this guy and we are going to load up to stop the run. We are not going to get beat because of uh, Bigsby and Hunter and their ground game, which is all they have offensively. And we're going to trust that Ashford can't beat us with his arm. And he could. 
And, uh, again, they hit some runs later in the game just when the defense got worn out. But, I mean, if you get a better effort from the offense, I think you're talking about a situation where Auburn offensively doesn't generate much of anything. I mean, the Tigers the entire game only had three drives of 50-plus yards. Um, they had one in the first half that resulted in a field goal. Uh, that came right after the two Griffin kickoff returns, so the defense had just been out there on the field. Um, and then their two final possessions in, in regulation, both were longer drives. But again, the defense was completely worn out in those situations. So can't say enough about how the defense performed in this game, given the situations they were put in. Um, I mean, it's kind of similar to the Alabama game. I thought they played really well, all things considered, in that game. The Kentucky game, I thought they deserved quite a bit of the blame because I just didn't think that was a good game plan. But that's kind of the outlier. Every other game, you've either gotten a defensive effort that has just been consistently dominant and unfortunately left out to drive from an offense that's inconsistent, or they've at the very least come up in big situations. And you got a lot of that in this game as well. So ton of credit to Zach Arnett and his unit. Um Obviously, MSU's paying him handsomely, but you can certainly suggest that you could be paid more. So, to say I would give a grade, I give them a B. I give the defense a B. I'll be a to be honest with you. I even with I know the quarterback scrambles hurt, but I mean I don't blame them at all, considering how many times MSU's offense just put them in terrible spots. Um. I feel like if the only true breakdowns come at the end of the game, I'm not going to say much about it in that situation. And they, hey, they held in overtime. Yeah, huh? Yes, when you look at like that 256 rushing yards, you know, each. But then again, they did. They didn't have 100 passing yards. Yeah, and I think that number is skewed a bit, both, again, from the number of attempts, but also they had a couple longer runs in the second half. I'm not too concerned with it. I, I thought the overall effort, that they swarmed the football. Again, I thought Jaden Crumity was massive for them. Tyrus Weed had a fantastic performance. Um, Nathaniel Watson had double-digit tackles. Uh, you really got after them. Talk a little bit of the offense here. I mean, quick start, which has kind of been the theme this season, is that they've gotten off the fast starts. It's it's the opposite of last year. Last year, they started off games terribly and then would kick it into gear uh, in the second half to get back into games. This year, they start off fast, with exception of a couple of games, um, and then just go into these lulls where they're not producing. Um, and unfortunately, in this game, that, that lull lasted a lot longer, about as long as it possibly could have for State to still find a way to come back and be able to win the game. Coming out, I thought the game script was great. They were gashing Auburn with – what they were doing early on. Um, some of that was Auburn just trying to play off, and State had guys who were just running free. And you used a lot of tempo. You had a lot of quick-hitting plays, a lot of things that I think you need to be doing more consistently. Um, ball was getting out of Will's hands quickly, which, again, that is something you need to see more of. Um, and you you end up getting 17 points pretty quickly in this game. Um, even threw in a little bit quarterback draw with Will Rogers, which didn't amount to much at all because Will's not that great of a runner. But it's like, oh, you know, what's that? Where'd that come from? You know, throwing another little wrinkle in there. Um, but then Auburn made a couple of adjustments to start matching more of what Kentucky and LSU did to the state uh, offense to stop them. And from that point on, it just didn't really go well at all until you get in dire situation there at the very end of the game. Um, and look, that style of defense has given MSU problems this year. 
and that continued, and that is going to be something that you have to keep an eye on going forward. And this is the fourth game. It all comes back down to adjustments. They make adjustments, whether it's at the end of the first quarter or whenever. Seems like we we don't do that whatsoever. Like I'll be, you only had eighteen what eighteen rush attempts. Uh, I yes, eighteen. I had it right in front of me. I don't want to get to. No, you had thirteen. Thirteen rush attempts, eighteen yards. Does account for sacks. To be fair, Will lost quite a bit. I still say we 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 didn't try to run enough. Like the wouldn't it was like, yeah, they had like four or five in the box, but I'm like, they they like they didn't even attempt to even try to establish a running game. They really didn't, and I will say, even as someone who is not going to sit here and say that you need to run against a six man box, there were a few times that Auburn was backed off, and I thought they could have checked into runs and didn't. Uh, Totals on the night, seven carries, 45 yards for Jaquavius Marks. Um, he had a few long runs that really helped him out a lot. Dylan Johnson, three carries, negative one yards. He's clearly still not fully healthy. I mean, I know they needed him to get him back, but it. I don't know if he was really ready to go and, frankly, just couldn't get much going. And then you get combined negative 31 yards between Will Rogers and then George Georgopoulos because of what happened with that punt. Um Ugh. Yeah, we'll talk about special teams later. Um, but you, uh, in terms of positive, you get 45 yards out of Quavius Marks, but that was sort of the only thing that you had going for you in the run game. Will did have a long scramble in, in the second half, and I mean, did mention he tried that quarterback draw, but got sacked several times in this game and just kills you on your yardage. Um, no, look, th- there wasn't much of a run game, and it's one of those things where I, I think – and I'm going to talk a bit about this later in the show. I say a bit. I actually have kind of a long spiel I want to go on about just where this offense is going and what needs to happen. Um, it, but it's one of those deals where, you know, they put six in the box, and if you're MSU in the air raid, you're supposed to feel like we're good to throw against that because that's kind of where this team's built. Like, we are we don't have the blockers to go up, you know, five on six. So you're saying, well, we're going to throw. But the problem is you're – not getting the pass protection up front and Will Rogers is not getting the ball out of his hands quick enough. And uh, from a receiver perspective, you just have a lot of inconsistencies. I, I thought the wide receivers played fine against Auburn. I don't think it was an issue for them, but we've seen some of the other games where they have not been particularly good out there to where you, you just don't have a guy that you can trust on a down by down basis is going to get open and catch the ball. And those are all your phases of the passing game that are not there. For a team that's supposed to be an air raid team, you're not getting it. So what happens is, like, you know, you start seeing teams put six defenders in the box, and it's like, okay, well, we're not going to run against it, and they're going to get it, so we're going to drop back and throw. But the pass protection's not holding up, and Will Rogers, you know, forcing some not great decisions in those situations. I I described to somebody, you get into a never-ending circle of suck, and MSU's got to find some sort of an adjustment, whether it be more of a ground game, whether it be committing more to screens or the quick game, tempo, any of these other things that have been talked about, they have to find some sort of adjustment for when teams pull that on them because it, it's been a 
it's been a recurring theme this year. If teams are going to just try to rush three drop eight, MSU is going to have a field day against them. MSU will dominate them up front of the ground game. MSU will find opportunities in the passing game because Will Rogers has time in the pocket. The second that they just change that up and rush four, the passing game goes to shambles and the run game goes away. And I do understand why the run game goes away because pretty much every rushing attempt they have against it doesn't work. And I know Mark's hit a few long runs. I actually went back and looked. His long runs came when they were five-man boxes. So it's like I get checking into it in those – like I get why they check into it in the situation. And they check into it when they're supposed to. But they're just – they if the second they put six in the box, they don't get push up there. And the fact that you have a quarterback who's not really a threat to run, which I feel like there's times he should run it more, um, you can't even out the numbers. It just – MSU's offense is in a rough spot, and I don't know if there's any one answer to solve everything, but they've got to find something because, again, I, I think I mentioned this after the Kentucky game, defenses are not going to play them the way that Texas A&M and Arkansas played them. Any defensive coordinator with half a brain is going to look and say, you know what, let's put some guys in the box and trust that they're not going to be able to run it on us and we'll get pressure on their quarterback. So State's got to find something. Well, good luck this week. Yeah, uh, Georgia. Oh, Georgia might have to commit like six to the box. I don't know if you have – I mean, I'm sure everybody watched Tennessee. Tennessee, obviously, that's a team that, you know, is built around its ground game first. Uh, you know, they're a run-first team. Georgia was putting five in the box and shutting down Tennessee's run game because Georgia just has those dudes up front. And Tennessee's really – Tennessee on the season has been good at running the football. They get pushed. Their offensive linemen are good. And Georgia's guys were like, no, nah, we can go one-on-one and we'll beat you. So, against this MSU offensive line, I'm sure they'll – I'm sure we're just in get for the a ball out quick. Just get the ball out quick and try to neutralize the defensive line. They're going to have to. Jalen Carter uh, is a game wrecker. Uh, we'll hit special teams real quick. I mean, Tula Griffin is awesome. He teams keep kicking to him. He keeps had getting chances. It's looked like he was going to bust one multiple times this year, and then we've had pen- Daniel talk about this. It feels like every long return, you get a penalty called on it, but this one. State gets the spark. He's able to take it to the house for uh, his second career kickoff return touchdown. And we saw what fans have been clamoring for for multiple years now. Why is he not the punt returner? And literally the very first punt return he has, he buffs the punt. Um, because apparently no one MSU puts back there can just catch the punt. Um, it's a curse at this point. It very much is. Um, it is. Whoever is the punt returner is cursed at Mississippi State. Um Speaking of punting, uh, the punters, my God, they have they have gone to crap uh, in recent weeks. Both uh, Archer Trafford and George Georgeopolis. I mentioned Georgeopolis. Uh, he bobbled a snap that it was a little to the side, but he should have easily caught it. And then, in the process of dropping it, ends up just getting taken down for an eleven yard loss. Uh, both of them had poor punts. One of them hit like a twelve yard punt that gave Auburn a short field that they were able to score off of. It, I don't know what happened. Like that group was playing well. I mean, I, I guess it's just a total curse of if one part, one aspect of special teams plays well, the other aspect is going to be atrocious. And state just can't get a complete effort because you don't want to talk about playing well. Massimo Biscardi largely did his job. He made his extra points. He made his field. He made his field goal attempts prior to the last one. But I don't think he should have been sent out there on the last one. 
he that like that should have been Ben Rabin out there, who clearly has the stronger leg. Like Massimo was never making that kick. It was he had it centered up, but it was not going to be long enough. So I, I don't get that decision. We didn't talk about the squib kick though. That was hilarious how that worked out. But special teams is just a total roller coaster for MSU. It obviously played a role in losing to LSU, and I'm sure it, it would be very MSU that it cost them in disgusting fashion in one of these games down the stretch. It, it, it saved it. It saved it. It's a, like the anything in the league escapes me for all the coaches. You never know. You never know what you're gonna see. You never, you never know what to expect. You might want to. We're gonna leave this in. You covered up your mic on that, and we couldn't hear what you were saying. Well, oh, I was just saying. It's a, it saved us this weekend, so. It's like any like a leech coach team. You never know what you're gonna get. Yeah, no, it's it's always gonna be a bit of a mixed bag. Um, and look, I mentioned this earlier. You do got to give them credit that they found a way to come back and win and close out when it was all said and done. But I mean, obviously, it's not the type of performance that's going to inspire confidence going forward. And you were hoping that coming off a bye against this team that you would find a way. And, I mean, look, I mean, I, I talked a lot about the interim boost that has been very real across college football. It was very clear, Cadillac Williams, the impact that he had on that team. They were not going to quit. They were going to rally around him. And, I mean, MSU should have put him away. It never should have come down to that. Like, you, you're up 24-6, and you just can do nothing offensively. I mean, it it was, what was it, 24-13 at halftime, I believe, like coming out of the second half, like I don't know why you don't find some sort of an adjustment to make, uh, to make sure that you, it was just a comedy of errors there, where you have a stretch of the the Will Rogers has a couple of fumbles that set up Auburn, an interception where he has an open receiver and just overthrows him, um, that gives Auburn a short field. You have the punt that gets dropped and Georgeopolis gets tackled. This was all in the sequence of like five drives for Mississippi State. And it just – it was a kind of a disaster. And it's kind of one of those things you almost feel like you didn't deserve to win. Now, you're going to take a win any way you can get it, especially against Auburn, given the wins Auburn has had over MSU that they by no means deserve to have. Um, but I will say, if you look at post-game win expectancy on SP+, they still had State like by quite a bit. Like, it, State was supposed to win this game, and it, it ultimately did. But, like, the stats bear out that State should have won. Um, but it, it was too close for comfort there at the end. Um because just a lot of ineptitude that has got to get sorted out. I mean, look, the Georgia game is what it is, but we all know the reality of that game on the on Thanksgiving, and you can't be playing like this if you're going to go out and find a way to win that game. Uh, I mean, uh, just, just get through this Georgia game first. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, we don't have to look ahead all that much. Do you need to talk some? I mean, I, and I know this was a topic on the on Thunder and Lightning, uh, and, and I'm not trying to just bounce off what they're doing, but Will Rogers is he, – he didn't have a great game. He did not. Um, 
He, uh, on the day, 42-59 for 357, three touchdowns and an interception. I mean, the touchdown passes are nice. Early in the game, he looks fantastic, but the interception was an overthrow. Uh, and then really throughout the second half, he was just constantly just checking it down to the, the – dumping off to the backs for nothing, dumping off to the flat for a quick check down for nothing. And it just – it he never felt comfortable in the pocket. Auburn pressure really got after him. I've talked about this some this year that, you know, when he has time in the pocket, he does, he by and large does a really nice job, but he hasn't had as much time in the pocket this year. And it's kind of showing some of the limitations that he has. And kind of what I've come away with is, I mean, he is badly missing Charles Cross and Kai Bowl. And I look, those were obviously the two big losses that you took from this team a year ago with your top 10 pick at offensive tackle who was protecting his blind side and you were never going to have to worry about pressure coming from that side. And then a go-to receiver. And you look and they've got better talent at receiver across the board this year, but you don't have that guy that you can trust. He's going to get open. He's going to catch the football on a down-by-down basis. You had that last year with Makai Polk. And then the offensive line just – consistently in terms of holding up and pass protection, like the tackles kind of get whipped. And if you have Charles Cross out there, you've got someone who's taking care of an entire side of the field and you can sort of allow the other guys to double up. Um, and I look, I get it. Those are big losses for this team. But the thing is, I mean, you expect Will Rogers in his third year in the system to be able to improve enough to uh, make up for that. You know, and I'm not talking even about the physical limitations. I I would expect, though, by this point, though, that he should have the pocket presence to know when pressure's coming, get the ball out quickly, know which checks to get into. It's it's not even just, you know, making the checks into the run game, which, of course, is you know such a big topic. It's, it's also checking in, like, okay, you know, where's the pressure coming from? Okay, well, we need to hit a slant behind this. Or they've got, I've got leverage over there. I'm going to give, you know, switch into this play so he's got a quick out. Stuff like that just I don't think is happening nearly enough for MSU. It feels like every single play we're trying to drop back and run a run a play that takes time to develop that we don't have time. Don't have time to run. And I feel I mean, to me a lot of that goes back to I I know it goes back to Leach and that he just has to say he's gonna call the play, but it's also on Rogers to recognize what he's seeing out there and get into the right check. And I don't know. I it, I, I it doesn't feel like he has, you know, progressed as a quarterback to where you want to see him this year. And I, I do think that's a little bit of a concern. I mean, look, I still think he's a good player. I I was kind of bold going into the year. I felt like he had a chance to cement himself as the clear number two behind Dak. And I thought, hey, give him credit. He set the touchdown record and passing yardage record uh, in this game. But it, I, he needs to, at some point, he's got to show something more in terms of, diagnosing what the defense is showing on the field and making sure that he's operating this offense to the absolute best of his ability. Because right now, I just don't think he is. Uh, He he is, unfortunately. Like I said, he's got physical limitations on what he can do. First off, he's not the tallest quarterback. So there's been so many of his balls being tipped and batted. And just – one or too many overthrows, like that interception. Just seems like obviously you lose your left tackle. 
number one first round draft pick. But I want to say this: have we have we missed so much on our offensive line that we should bring in a question, Mason Miller? Potentially, um, and I'm actually going to talk a little bit of that in just a couple of minutes because um, I've got I got a take that I need to get into for this team and talking about the future. But O-line development is questionable right now. I mean, Dollar Bill was a big-time talent coming out of high school, and I think at times he's played well this year. I know he's dealt with some injuries as well, but, like, he, I don't know if he's to this point lived up to the potential you expect. And you talk about on the recruiting trail, I mean, your addition at offensive line was Steven Lasoya from Middle Tennessee. And, look, he's been a good player for State since getting in on the action in recent weeks. But you knew you are losing a big-time pick, uh, you know, left tackle. And I know State pursued guys. But how? I, mean, I, I don't know how you don't – literally after you just put a guy in the NFL draft. And also this staff had another first-round pick in Andre Dillard a few years ago at Washington State. How are you not able to sell a kid on that to come and be the guy? Offensive line right now is a big concern for this team. Offensive line development is a big concern, and I, I don't know how much of that is recruiting Mason Miller. How much of that goes back to Mike Leach? I, it, it's a mixed bag right now, but it's. I think that is where a lot of the limitations in this offense lies. It goes back to the guys up front, and that's one of those big things when you start talking about the air raid coming into the SEC. Mike Leach himself has acknowledged it. The difference in talent that you see in the SEC compared to like the Pac-12 shows itself in the front. It's not about the receivers. It's not about the quarterbacks, not about the running backs or even the DBs. And obviously the SEC is more talented there. Where you see it, though, is if you want big-time offensive and defensive linemen, they're in the South. You're not finding those guys out on the West Coast. And MSU has done a good job over the years of getting the defensive linemen. They've done a pretty good job over the years of getting some of the offensive linemen. But I feel like the offensive line unit State has out there on the field right now is not the quality – that you need if you're going to be running this offense compared to the defenses you're going up against. And they've got to improve upon that position big time. Totally agree. So before I, I'm going to, I'll build off that point here in just a second. Before we do that, we did get a win. So let's give out some offensive and defensive MVPs uh, for you. Who would you look at on the offense that stood out for you the most? Uh, you could easily not say Will Rogers because he <clears throat> had three turnovers. Yeah, no, it was not Will Rogers' best night for sure. I go rah rah. I had rah rah Thomas listed six catches for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Needed to see a big game for him and obviously got the touchdown reception that put MSU back ahead uh, and snapped their scoring drought there uh, in that game. Um, look, this is around the time last year he really started to emerge. Obviously, he's been a you know key player for MSU this year, but certainly you hope that down the stretch, again, as I mentioned earlier, someone's got to step up as a true go-to receiver. Maybe that could be him once again. Definitely should shout out to Quavius Marks. He had a good day running the football uh, on the a few opportunities he got, and then of course gets you the game-winning touchdown. Defense, who you're going to go with here? I'm going to go Tyrus Sweet. Had two sacks. I, I also put down Tyrus Wheat. 
Um, two sacks, three and a half sack for loss, a couple quarterback hurries. Big time game for him and, and the impact he was able to make. Um, I did mention earlier Nathaniel Watson, 10 tackles for him and a tackle for loss. Uh, but I do need, if I'm going to give uh, credit to somebody else, I mean, Jaden Crumity, he has yeah. been missed and he made his impact felt. He had a sack, had a tackle for loss in this game uh, and a one and a half tackle for loss. Really was get, uh, getting after it. Um, you can see how important he it is for MSU. Had a little bit of an injury scare in this game, which that was very, very worrisome. But luckily, he came right back out there on the field, and that he's going to be key for MSU down the stretch as we go throughout the rest of the season. Okay, so I said I have a take that I need to dig into, and I apologize. This might take me a few minutes, so I'm just going to you have to sit back and put up with me. Obviously, there's been a ton of discussion about the MSU ground game. And I've talked about MSU's ground game a lot and how, you know, I you know had definitely have disagreements from a lot of the normal fans in terms of how the importance of the number of rush attempts and what that means for the offense. Uh, but I do think with, look, with this personnel and the way they played this season, you can't deny that the team is better when they are able to run the football well. Like, there's, there's no question this offense operates a lot better when they are running the ball well. Um, and, look, I, I've long said, if you're doing it effectively, by all means, keep it up. Um but what I've obviously stuck with a lot is that, look, I also understand that if defenses are going to commit more guys to trying to defend the run, I, I understand why MSU is not going to run in those situations. Um, but, you know, like kind of the problem is, I, I and I laid this out earlier in the show, When even when defenses take away the run, they're also taking away the pass too because they're sending four rushers and our offensive line can't handle it and we don't have the consistency in the passing game. And to re, again, to borrow a phrase I used earlier, we get into a never-ending circle of suck. So I, I've sort of – and obviously, like, most everyone, what they're just going after is, you know, run the football. And I, I, I get it. And actually, here, here's my take, and, and then I'll get into my long spiel. problem with the offense is not specifically the lack of rushing attempts. Because I think they actually are effective at running the ball in the situations that you would expect a Mike Leach team to run the ball. When defensives give them a you know a, a look, State has done a really good job of being able to line up and run it down their throat in those situations. Um, there are definitely times where Rodgers should do a better job of checking into more runs when he sees the opportunities. Um, but I think by and large they've been pretty good at it. That they weren't and they haven't always been. I thought they made some changes. But for me, it's not about the number of rushing attempts. If you're actually getting into what's wrong with the offense right now. The issue is that this is supposed to be a team that's built to drop back and throw the football and do it effectively, and they can't do it. This is a team, like, you're an air raid team, and you're, you're supposed to, like, the whole idea with this offense is if they're going to try to play you like they would play any other normal team, and by the way, lining up with six men in the box is how you would typically play against a lot of spread teams. You expect, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, draw, we have to, we'll be able to throw all over. And MSU can't. And I know you could say, well, that's SEC defenses. I, I think there's other things. And I want to be clear, I'm not here making a defense of Mike Leach. Um, it's maybe a little bit of a defense of the system itself, because I do still believe the air raid offense does work when you have the guys to do it. And that's kind of the key, is that I don't know that MSU does have the guys to do it. But the reason I say that's not a defense of Mike Leach is because it's year three. And it's year three with an ultra experienced roster. It's year three with guys who have been in this system now since 2020. 
and an offense that they should – every other step it has said that those guys should have the offense down by now. I'm all for saying, look, I, I, part, my, part of my buy-in, obviously, with Leach has been that the guy has a proven track record for success at schools that are tough to win at. And he does things a very specific way. He does things very differently than a lot of other programs do. But it has shown that if you give him time to do things his way and put up with some of the struggles early on, the results should be delivered. And through two years, I felt like we were on a similar track. Halfway through the season, I felt like we were still on the right track. Last few games have kind of shown that even though MSU technically from win-loss perspective is still right there, you're fading quite a bit. And I like I'm I'm willing to grant you going and getting your players when it's the first couple seasons. Year three. And at this point, either you have to have developed the guys you have on the roster and coached them up to be able to run your system and that you can trust that they can go out and consistently execute it, or you need to have recruited guys who can do it. And that means you've gone out and gotten impact players, whether it be the high school ranks or in this new era of the sport, using the transfer portal, which they've done some, but not enough. And I mean, like, it's mo- we talked about this a second ago. It's most notable on the offensive line. Those guys can't pass block. They can't. They're fine when it's rush three because they can double team up and you'll they'll they'll handle it. You send four against those guys against SEC defensive linemen, they can't handle their job. And that's a very concerning thing to have at this point. And it's one of those deals where because we're locked into running this very specific offense, we don't have the checks to get out of it and correct it and find a way to go out and, and perform. That's why I talked about, like, you get in that circle of suck. It's because we don't have the adjustments to correct it. And I'm fine being very specific on offense if it's working and if, you, if your guys out there are executing, but they're not. And what this all boils down to for me is I think Leach has a big decision in the upcoming offseason. Um, because, look, he's, he's going to be back next year. I mean – there was a real world where a state had choked against Auburn and then collapsed down the stretch. Maybe a move happens with a new AD. But at this point, Mike Leach is going to be your coach next football season, even if you lose the egg bowl, even if you finish seven and six. I don't think you're seeing making a change. But I think Leach has to make one or two decisions. Either A, do what pretty much everyone else has been telling you to do, not me, but what everyone else has been telling you to do, uh, because I've, I'm, I've, chosen, I've chosen to believe in your stubborn system make the adjustments and have those other outs in there and tweak the offense so that you have more things that guys can go to so that you're not as driven on being like so reliant on personnel or you got to start recruiting your tail off. You got to go and get some guys who are going to come in and change things immediately in the transfer portal. You've got to go out and get the big time offensive linemen, get the big time receivers. I, I know it's been talked about maybe quarterback. I don't know. Maybe. But you got to do something ASAP with that change. And it's one of the two. Because at this point, I mean, like, if, if you're going to say that you're, you got to have your guys and your system, I'll, I'll hear you. I'll hear that early on. I don't want to hear that, though, when it's year three and you've had time. You've had time to get guys. And clearly it's not happening. Because right now the guys out there on the field aren't executing what you're trying to ask them to do. So you, you either got to show some changes or – make a big change of recruiting and frankly i don't know if the recruiting changes are happening so it kind no, of like, recruit go ahead our recruit our recruit will never change unfortunately we'll never get in the top 20 top 15 so 
So what does that say that he has to do? You're going to have to coach better. Get the portal and what you can. And, I mean, if if Nick Saban can evolve his offense, so should Leach. Unfortunately, I think Leach has this think my thought process that it's not the system, it's the players, in which you never hear him take accountability for a bad game. I will be and look, I will be fair to him when it comes to making some adjustments. I do think this year we've seen some tweaks. There have been a few things thrown in, nothing that state is committing to, but there have been these flashes here and there of, oh, he hasn't done that before. Um and obviously, the most notable hint is the fact that he went out and recruited Chris Parson, which says a lot. There's also rumblings about he might be looking at trying to go get a tight end and give someone in there who can be a, a, a big-time pass catcher over the middle while also giving you a blocker for the run game, which would be huge. I'm all for those changes happening. Let's see it. But it's kind of one of those deals where you're running out of time, man. Like, you want to make these changes. Like, if you're going to make these changes, fantastic. But – you got to deliver the results sooner rather than later. And I don't know. Like, I, I, I think there's – he showed some hints that he wants to make some changes, and I'm looking forward to that. But if you're not, then you've got to do a better job of getting the players who can come out and do it. And it's most notable on the offensive line because their struggles are what's uh, highlighting some of the issues you have elsewhere. And, like, I, I, and to, be, to be fair, I think quarterback recruiting under Leach has been good. Receiver recruiting under Mike Leach has been good. Offensive line recruiting has been kind of lackluster. Joe Crocker is a nice pickup. He's probably a higher, better prospect than a lot of the recruiting services have him. But where are the what are the big names MSU's landing along the offensive line? And if you don't have offensive linemen who can handle SEC defensive linemen, this offense will not work. The offense, the way Mike Leach wants to run it, will not work if you cannot block the guys across from you. And there's a lot more guys in the SEC that you have to that are are going to have an advantage over you blocking, or as pass rushers compared to your offensive line than you were going to have back in the Pac-12 against a lot of weak def- defensive lines. So yeah, that, that's my whole big spiel. I, I, I'm I, look, I'm still partially in on Leach, mostly in. Like I, I still think he is a good coach. I still actually believe in the system to an extent if you have the guys to do it. But that predicates on you getting the guys. That's part of being a coach. And that's I don't know if they're getting the guys. So I like some of the idea of the, like the future with Chris Parson. I like the ideas of if he goes and gets a tight end. Um, but I, I think it, to me it's very simple. Either, I mean, either get better players or you're going to have to finally suck it up and make some changes. It's one of the two for me. Um. Some point, at some point, some changes are going to be needed. Whether that's assistant coaches, whether that's him putting in more noticeable like changes in his scheme, I don't know what that may be, but like you said, something's got to change. Yeah. No. I mean, it. You gotta find you got you gotta find something. And uh I mean there there are ways that you can solve some of the issues that MSU has as an offense right now. With the guys he has, that would not be massive adjustments to make. It's just is there a willingness to do it? I don't know if you're gonna see it the rest of this year, 
But, I mean, again, Mike Leach is going to be your coach next year, and he's going to be coaching for his job. Uh, I'd say he'll be coaching for his job unless, I guess if we're going to turn this a little positive because that's kind of a negative direction to take it, but understandable. Look, I mean, play hard against Georgia, handle your business against East Tennessee, and then find a way to win the Egg Bowl, and then most everybody's happy. And a lot of these discussions aren't happening nearly as much. Um, but you got to find a way to win that game. And obviously we'll, we'll be talking about that a lot over the next few weeks. Uh, Lounge, any final thoughts for you about football or just, hey, anything, if you want, whatever direction you want to take it? <laughs> I know, I know, dude, our football games are going to be packed this weekend. So everybody get out there. Just cheer on the dogs. I, I know it's not supposed to. Leach is due for one of those upsets. He is. He is. That's 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 supposed to be part of the Leach experience. You should get some of those wins. And he's had a few fun victories this season, but in terms of – or not this season. Well, no, he had, he had some fun wins this season. He's had a few fun wins in his career, but he hasn't had the big signature, like the true upset over a big-time team. Um, who knows? Maybe miracles can happen. Looks like it might be cold in Starkville for that game, which makes me jealous yes. that I wish I was going to be able to come up. Uh, but, fortunately, I will not be able to make it because I, I enjoy good cold-weather football. But, uh, no, I agree, definitely. Back out Davis-Wade, m- maybe a miracle could happen. And uh, me and Daniel will be on later in the week to preview that game. Um, that's going to do it for Lounge on here. So, Lounge, thanks for hopping on. And uh, let's get into talking about basketball after the Chris Chan's era. Tips off with a win. Christian season is finally here as a new era of Bulldog basketball tips off with a 63 to 44 victory over Texas A&M Corpus Crispy. Crispy. That's nice. Uh, Corpus Christi uh, at Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, A game that did not see much offense, as you can tell from the final score. Uh, Really slow uh, beginning to this game offensively for the Bulldogs in the first half. Uh, And really some of that continued in the second half as well as scoring just wasn't wasn't really there for, for State. Couldn't really knock down a lot of shots, but State gets a huge effort in the second half to pull away with a comfortable win, end up covering the spread. Good teams win, great teams cover, and you kind of get a glimpse of what the Christian's era is going to be all about. And I think if you're a State fan, you saw some things that you're going to be really excited from. Um, just very evident the effort and intensity this team is going to play with uh, on both both sides of the court defensively man they get after people they you saw a lot of full court pressure you saw them trapping in the corner um very aggressive man defense where you know just getting up in guys faces and not allowing many open shots and trying to contest shots obviously rebounding is a big thing uh, with Christians and his team did have the rebound advantage in this game, 42 to 33 over Corpus Christi. Um, and you saw a lot of that on defense, uh, forcing 21 turnovers against the Islanders compared to just turning it over 16 times them, uh, themselves. Uh, just a really, really strong defensive effort. And you saw the aggressiveness. You saw the, the physicality that you expect this team to play with. And on the offensive side of the ball, look, you can tell from the score, the shooting wasn't there. And there was some good defense from A&M Corpus Christi. Give them credit. Um, but State also had a lot of opportunities to put points on the board and just couldn't quite execute. Shooting is something that's going to take time with this team. But you also saw those welcome changes offensively where they pushed tempo. 
You know, they weren't walking the ball up the court. They weren't waiting for the shot clock to get all the way down to pull up shots. Yeah, they fired and missed on a whole lot of threes. Um, they took a lot of early shots, that, but a lot of them were good looks, and they, they didn't pass up on a lot of opportunities um, while still getting good ball movement, uh, while still finding ways to drive to the basket, get get the ball inside to Tolu Smith, who's obviously going to be your big-time playmaker, and he in you know, a big game for him um, tonight. It, it, he, look, it – this team, obviously, it's going to take them some time. And we talked about in, in the uh, preview show that it's unlikely that you're going to talk about this basketball team being, you know, NCAA tournament year one. Like, I think if they can get to the NIT, that would be a big accomplishment for them. But I think they're just going to be a lot of fun to watch. They are tough. They are physical. They're going to get after you on defense and, and going to just give you hell the entire game. And on offense – you can see what the vision is supposed to be for this team going forward with the pace that they play at, with the, the shots that they're going to try and make. It just comes down to are those shots going to fall? Taking a look at some of the stats, Tolu Smith is your leading scorer on the night. Double-double for him, 19 points on 8 of 10 shooting, well, well to go along with 11 rebounds. Struggled at the free throw line, um, just 3 of 7 for him, but it was the type of performance you expect out of the guy who's going to be the leader on this team. Good day for Shaquille Moore, 11 points on 5 of 12 shooting for him. Now, that did include 0 for 6 behind the arc. It didn't have a great day shooting on the, shooting the three ball. Um, but he you know, also had a, four rebounds. I, I liked a lot of what I saw, saw with Shaquille Moore. I liked what I saw with him on defense and uh, forcing a couple turnovers uh, in this game. Um, DJ Jeffries really provided a big spark for State in the second half. Uh, you know, the State, real quick before I come back to the box, box scores, so State obviously, you know, slow start in this game. They find themselves down 20 to 8 with a few minutes to go there in the first half, but then go on a 17 to 10 run to close things out. Um, make it 30 to 25 at halftime, so down five. Second half, they come out of the locker room with a play designed to get DJ Jeffries an open three. He knocks it down uh, to spark some scoring and ends up three of State's first four shots that were made in the second half came from DJ Jeffries, which is where his seven points came from. Uh, really liked a lot of what I saw from him in this game. And that sparked the second half that State dominated. 38-14 to 14 advantage for the Bulldogs in the second half. Just complete domination. Um, and you started to see what, what some of these guys can provide for you. And Cam Matthews, look, the scoring, maybe I oversold it a little bit because he didn't really take many shots in this game, just two, two attempts, four points total for him. He knocked down a couple free throws. Six rebounds, five blocks, as well as uh, – let me pull this up real quick to, to check for sure. And uh, three steals as well. Just a menace on the defensive side of the ball and the way he was able to get after Corpus Christi. I, I mentioned that I thought he's a guy who's really going to fit what State is going to do under Chris Jans on the defensive side of the ball. You saw it. Like he – it, it was it was he was thriving out there on defense. Um, got a you know a big three pointer from Eric Reed, who of course is going to be a guy that you you expect to uh, you know that's going to be one of his roles. Deshaun Davis knocked down a couple behind the arc. wasn't again wasn't a great shooting day for State. Six of twenty five from deep, so just twenty four percent. That's kind of what you've expected from the Bulldogs over the last few years. But look, they started off the game ten of twenty eight, were thirty five thirty six percent in the first half. They shot over 48% in the second half. Um, 
really started doing a better job of, you know, getting to driving to the lane. Um, and, you know, what Tolu Smith was able to do got a lot of guys involved. 15, I believe 15 different players saw action in this game for MSU. Uh, and, and some look, part of the reason they had some struggles early is that they were rotating in a lot of guys trying to figure out the best, uh, group to have out there, which naturally, you know, it was going to take a little bit of time, but, uh, once they really got settled on the group that they were going to see uh, that they you know, thought gave them the best chance, you saw again, that domination in the second half, um, just a really nice day for MSU, uh, all around, um, it was a great way to start off the Chris Chan's era. And look, I know AM Corpus Christi, it's not like you're talking about a big time opponent, but that's a team that went to the tournament a year ago and had five stars returning. And like, that's kind of the, you, it's understandable why State had some struggles early. When you're talking about MSU adjusting to a new system, adjusting to a lot of new players, going up against a, a team that, hey, they played good defense. They were very aggressive um, on both sides of the court as well with some, some of what they were doing on offense. Um, like you could see where they gave some problems, but but State was able to really shut them down in the second half and pull away to get the win. So nice win uh, to to tip off this new era of basketball. You know, it's hard to take too much away right now. But the, if the big thing you're going to take away is just style of play and that this team's fun to watch, like I, I think that's what you got to look for. Um, looking ahead, next game for them. Uh, will be Friday, 6 o'clock, up in Philadelphia. The Barstool Sports Invitational taking on Akron. The Zips, coached by John Gross. Um, Akron uh, tonight played South Dakota State, who's another really good mid-major. Won in overtime, 83-80. to 80. Akron actually had a chance to hit a shot at the buzzer. on a. They had a steal. Uh, South Dakota State was going in trying to score to close out the game. Akron gets a steal, runs it down the court. Guy has an easy layup and just misses. Um, there at the end, but they end up getting the win in regulation. Um, three of their top four scorers from a year ago are back. So look, they're, it's a mid-major team, but it's it's a quality mid-major team, and it'll be interesting to see how MSU stacks up for them away from Humphrey Coliseum. Um, so that'll certainly be a fun game to watch on Friday. But yeah, this was a nice start. You know, you, you see what they're trying to go to, and it makes, definitely makes you wish you still had an Iverson Molinar. It makes you wish you could have landed an Isaiah Mosley and that guy who's that true, you know, leader as a scorer that you can trust is going to go out and just knock down shots for you because that's the one thing this team clearly is lacking early on. I, I say that like we truly know. It's one game. But that was the one big thing that was evident in this game is that, you know, it's going to take them some time on the offensive side of the ball. But, again, I wouldn't be too worried about it. I think you just got to be pleased to – see the nice and um, see some of the improvements, see some of the things that they're going to do stylistically that just are going to make them fun to watch. So look, I don't know how good this team will truly be when it's all said and done, but I do think it's a, it's a team that's worth going out and supporting. And look, we got a new era of basketball. Um, looked like there was a good student crowd, but you know, obviously you hope students can get a little bit more involved because I, I presence wasn't really being heard through the TV uh, in terms of getting into the atmosphere. Um, but look, this is a team that definitely deserves to get some fans out there at the hump. So I think it can be a fun year of basketball. We'll see how far they can truly go. But again, it's just sort of about establishing a new culture and a new identity and brand of basketball uh, in Starkville. So Christian Era tips off with a 63-44 to win over Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, good start to the season. Bulldogs back in action on Friday. That's going to do it for us today on the Maroon Mike. Uh, obviously, 
lot to talk about with you know everything that took place against Auburn in football, and now you had a basketball game on top of it. So we'll be back to preview MSU's big game against Georgia later in the week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, swing your sword, Hail State.